For me, passion is is this fire inside. It starts with a curiosity, like, oh, maybe I'll explore this. And then when you feel that fire and you feel drawn to it and you continue to consistently do it, that's when it turns into passion. Hey, friend, it's David Dubinsky here in New York City. So excited for this Portfolio Career podcast episode with Lisa Wang. Lisa is a four-time U.S. national champion gymnast. She was induced into the USA Gymnastics Hall of Fame in 2014. Her professional career has truly been remarkable as well. She was named to Forbes 30 Under 30, is a global keynote speaker, and was recently named Red Bull's Hero of the Year. She has also spent the last few years founding and building SheWorks, the leading global female entrepreneurship platform empowering 20,000 women to connect with mentors and investors. SheWorks was successfully acquired by Republic during the summer of 2019. In this episode, you will learn about Lisa's current focus and ambitions, including her Enoughness podcast. In this episode, you'll also learn about finding purpose, mindset, self-talk, coaching, hard and important questions to ask yourself, and as I mentioned, how Lisa is currently navigating her transition and rebalancing her portfolio career. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Lisa. Cool. Uh, well, welcome to Portfolio Career Podcast. Your host, David Abinsky, is here with Lisa Wang. How's it going, Lisa? It's going great. Excited to be here. Yeah. Thanks for uh, treating me here at Stand Up NY Comedy Club. Um, what an honor. And so, Lisa, if we were to go to an event tonight, how do you typically introduce yourself? Uh, well, I would introduce myself as, hi, my name is Lisa Wang. I am a serial entrepreneur and former U.S. national champion gymnast. I'm passionate about helping female leaders reach their potential. And I, I don't know, I, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I haven't introduced myself in a long time. Usually someone else introduces me. So um, I'm in a transition period and I guess uh, I'm focused on myself. I'm focused on finding my purpose and really uh, diving into writing my book and uh, loving my voice. A lot to talk about there, clearly. Mm. One, You said one word that I'd love to just, uh, you said purpose. Mm. And on your website, it's purpose, power, and passion. and passion. Thank you. And I know that you've spoken a lot about, and you have a podcast called Enoughness. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I'd love to learn a little bit more about how enoughness and can align with purpose, especially as you've been a former gymnast. Just would love to learn a little bit more about helping people find purpose in their work. Yeah. Um, I mean, even it's funny because even your first question of how would you introduce yourself, the fact that it caught me off guard has already made me think why I was caught off guard by that. And I think, you know, to to the point of enoughness, the whole concept of it is to humanize the process of becoming a leader because I think too often there is this dominant narrative about greatness and you know killing it and crushing it in life and being great. And I thought, well, how can I be great if I don't even feel like I'm enough sometimes? And on the outside, 
I've lived a life that is, uh, I guess, marked by achievement. As a U.S. national champion gymnast, I went to Yale, which was my dream school. I started out with a job at a top hedge fund in New York, um, serial entrepreneur, and recently sold my company. And I think by all standards, that should be a great life. And I'm at this point very happy with what I've done, but that hasn't always been the case. And that's really with enoughness. It was a feeling of um, when is it ever enough? You know, when am I ever good enough? And it's a feeling that stems from scarcity that a lot of people have, which is um, they're looking for validation and to fulfill themselves through external achievement. And when I had achieved so many things and still felt that hollowness, I launched my Enoughness podcast to really dive into that question of when is it enough? When is it ever enough? And that process of doing those interviews, having those conversations is what I learned is what truly fills me. And um, so this, the passion for me is I've always been driven by passion. And passion is always starts with curiosity because I think there's a lot of weight and pressure to find your passion and then subsequently to find your purpose. And for me, passion is, is this fire inside. It starts with a curiosity, like, oh, maybe I'll explore this. And then when you feel that fire and you feel drawn to it and you continue to consistently do it, that's when it turns into passion. Um, because I think oftentimes we're also passionate about the things we're good at. And that's that's totally fine. And that's actually where you should go because you should follow your strengths. And then when you follow your passion consistently enough, I think that's when you find your purpose. Um, for me, that purpose is really elevating female leaders. I think the female voice is not heard enough. The full expression of what a woman can be as a leader, as a mother, as a you know, as someone who, if they choose not to be a mother, um, as someone who's single or someone who's in a relationship, like there's so many ways to be a woman and it's been limited in the past. And um, so when I said that I'm focused on loving my voice, I think it's, it is the act of learning how to love the full expression of myself to be able to set an example of what other women could be as well and giving that permission to really step into your full power. Mm -hmm. And as you as you've mentioned here and as being a you know a Hall of Fame gymnast, um, I've come to um, think of you as an expert in owning one's internal thoughts and in self-mastery. We'd love to just learn a little bit more, maybe some examples that somebody can improve um, internal self-talk. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've, as someone who's naturally been introverted my entire life until I learned how to chameleon into an extrovert for entrepreneurial and business purposes, um, I think I spent a lot of time with my thoughts growing up and spent, if I wasn't in the gym training, I was in the library and uh, read probably the entire young adult section of uh, our local library. And I have always had pretty self-deprecating internal dialogue. And it wasn't until I think, you know, this process of facing this, like the, the root of the lack of enoughness, um, questioning it and not being afraid to really 
observe that. Um, it it was that continual uh, perseverance to look at it and um, ask why that I think ultimately helped me overcome it. Because when you think about your fears, you know, for most people, it's fear of failure, it's fear of social rejection, it's fear of what other people think, it's uh, fear of letting other people down. All of these fears are tied to, it's tied to what other people think about you. And most often it's, those people are irrelevant, truly, to you. And for me, the process of finally learning to switch from self-deprecating to, uh, let's call it self-loving talk, um, there was a trigger point for me when I saw actually uh, the way a ex-partner talked to himself in the mirror. And he told me that every morning he would go in the mirror and he would say, you're going to crush it. He's like, you're going to make money. And you rock. And I was like, wow, that's, that's so interesting. Because when I look in the mirror, I notice, you know, hair is in the wrong place or my skin's breaking out or flaws. And I thought to myself, well, how powerful would it be? And how different would my life be if I was able to talk to myself the same way that he spoke to himself? And that's not something you can do overnight. But first, just being aware of it, right? Like a lot of times we don't even know how we're talking to ourselves. We don't know um, whose voice it is. And most of the times it's not our voice. It's it's programmed from the things society has told you. And for for women in particular, there's an extra harshness and critique when it comes to talking about yourself. Like, I'm not skinny enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not experienced enough. And um, I just, I, I gave myself a challenge. I was like, I'm not going to, every time I catch myself saying that I'm not enough, um, how do I just notice that and turn that around, right? And question if that's really what I think is that really my own voice or is that someone else's in society's voice? Um, so it took me, I mean, I guess it took me 30 years to get to a point where I look in the mirror and I'm, for the first time, I feel, um, I feel like I'm a rock star and I look in that mirror and I say, you're great. And it's crazy how that changes everything. It, it makes you able to be more present with people. And I think when you give yourself permission to pump yourself up, um, you also give other people the permission to love themselves. In addition to maybe looking into the mirror, are you able to give some other kind of examples to how people can pump themselves up? Yeah. Um, so the gratitude journal, which is something that people talk about a lot, but I think that there needs to be a an edit in that because I as so many people do, I was like, okay, let me try this gratitude thing and I'll wake up and I'll write the things that I'm grateful for. But after about a month, I realized that um, all the things that I'd written down had nothing to do with me. They were things like, I'm grateful for my family and my friends and my warm bed and living in New York City. And um, and of course, while I felt grateful for all those things, I it was like, I've it's, it, I was almost afraid to feel grateful for myself and my strengths and to notice the things that I liked about myself. And so then I did a challenge where I was like, I'm going to spend uh, a, a month doing a self-gratitude journal where it's 
and you can't repeat it. So you kind of run out of things at some point. And, and then you start to say things like, I'm grateful that um, I held this door open for this person extra second. And um, I'm grateful for myself that I, you know, it's just I did this kind thing today. So then it, then you become aware of your actions as well and the ripple effect it has on other people as a thing to give gratitude for. Yeah, that's really interesting about the spin, the gratitude. Or, or have you coined this term? This uh, this uh... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, but I I I just now use the word self gratitude, so I guess that's a thing. <laughs> okay, and so it's been really interesting to me of how Hall of Fame gymnast, and that was mostly a single person game, yep. and and then leading she works where you were inspiring and helping 20,000 women around the world and how you've been able to find purpose through that. For somebody that is trying to find purpose after they've kind of helped, you know, at least pump themselves up a little bit, any, any ways on how someone could find a little bit more purpose in some of their work? I mean, the first thing is, you know, especially if you are at this point an adult, right, versus um, a child who perhaps hasn't had years of experience. But at, at the point when someone's an adult, you have decades of experience, right? You have decades of time, at least, to have had the opportunity to figure out what you like, potentially what you love, um, what you're passionate about. And uh, when I see people who... You know, I ask them, what do you do for work? And they're like, oh, eh, I don't really want to talk about work. Like, uh, let's just get a drink. You know, um, it makes me question, what are they afraid of? You know, why? Because the the thing that you're most afraid of is most often the things that, that will set you free. And I think for the majority of people, because they're locked in the fear of what other people think, um, Maybe they think that their passion is stupid, um, that it can't make money, or that, um, uh, yeah, that people people would laugh at them, or that potentially they'd fail at it. Like, what if, what if I drop everything and become a writer, and then no one reads my book? You know, now I'm going to be a, a broke writer on the street <laughs> with an unsold book. Um, and so, even though that's their dream. They never go for it, and they always go for the safe route. So I would say, you know, if you're in that state, to really question um, if this is the life that you want to continue leading, and if it's not, then, like, being really honest with yourself about what you like to do, um, what would you do if, if you didn't have that fear, right? If you weren't afraid of not making money for a little bit, if you weren't afraid of what other people would think, like, what is it that you would actually do? And I think therein lies um, the thing that you could really be passionate about and where your purpose could be. Okay. And then what's really interesting to me also is while you were uh, with SheWorks um, and why another reason why I was really inspired by a lot of your work was it just seemed like you were doing all these different partnerships and Red Bull and Delta. And we'd just love to learn a little bit more about how people can kind of bolt on to things that they're doing. 
Um, it just, yeah. Any thoughts on mm-hmm. kind of making yourself like taking ownership of your career and really developing skills and projects around you? Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of those, those big things came in the past year. Um, those partnerships, the awards, the press and recognition. And um, the reason it came in this past year, I think, is because I stepped into my own enoughness, right? I stepped into my own power. And um, not to say that I am, like, I don't think I'm 100% there. I don't know if we're ever 100% there. Um, but I think when I started embracing embracing my voice, right? Not being afraid to share my strengths and actually realizing that when you do things that you're passionate about and you go after the things that a lot of people are afraid of, it's an inspiration and it gives other people permission to potentially do that themselves. And I think when you, because there are so few people who actually live their authentic truth, um, and really follow their passion and look for their purpose and that other people eventually recognize that, right? Like, and that's where these partnerships and press and all this stuff comes from. Okay. Um, all right. So with all of those awards and then selling She Works to, with Republic and partnering with them, um, would love to learn how you're thinking about you know, and you mentioned a little bit, but just some frameworks and some things from that you're thinking about making, you know, big transitions or meaningful transitions that were helpful for you to think about what to do next. Mm-hmm. Well, after the sale, I went on a two and a half week vacation to Europe with one of my best friends. And we ended up in Bordeaux at another best friend's wedding. And that was just incredible to reconnect with people that I really love and trust. Um, And I think that having that time away, especially when you're with people who really know you and truly want to support you and see what's best for you. Sometimes it's good to be around those people and have them hold up a mirror and reflect like, this is you when you're really happy. Like this is you when you're in your element. And, you know, I had been considering a couple of different routes of, okay, what do I do once I, you know, sold the company? And I realized that um, the one thing that I'd always been afraid to call myself was an artist. And in the process of fitting in with society and, you know, taking a corporate job. And of of course, I did leap out and do the entrepreneurship thing, but it was still business, right? Business is practical. Being an artist is impractical. And there were studies actually that showed how, um, I think it was like when kids first enter school, like kindergarten, the teacher asks, like, how many of you consider yourself an artist? And, um, you know, the majority of the room raised their hand, but Every subsequent year, like by the time you're in middle school, you just have either no one raises their hand or if they do, it's like very hesitatingly because they know that they'll be judged. And then someone will say, well, like, how do you how are you going to make money? How are you going to make a living as a creative? And um, and and there's also, of course, roots in that as well. Like my background is uh, I'm Chinese American, but uh, my parents grew up in the Cultural Revolution and they said, well, you know, when when that was happening, there's different ranks of professions, and um, the at the bottom was the artist, 
um, because like what can they contribute to society <laughs> and and with the emphasis today on innovation and growth and technology which is um, you know very logic and brain centered I realized that art uh, which comes in the form of you know the the painting but also writing in words um, you know I think the the author and writer is an artist that we actually need like what that does is it gives you perspective on life right it it asks the question what is the point like why are we here like what what is the point of human life and to what end and i think that having um having finally i think the courage to say you know what if i if i let go of these fears of what other people thought and fear of failure I feel like I'm finally ready to let that like authentic creative and that authentic artist out of me. And, um, you know, and that's why I don't think I could really answer. I'm like, how would I introduce myself? I don't know. I'm like, a, am I a writer? Am I? So, you know, there's, again, that sort of questioning in the transition. Got the, the pump up. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So you're working on the book and that'll be more of like yeah. being an artist and, yeah, so and I'm podcast a, is. Exactly. So I'm officially, um, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to this theme of learning how to embrace my voice and really sharing it out in the world. Um, so I'm focused on writing my book, my first book. So I've, I was a literature major, and I've wanted to write a book probably my entire life. So it's taken me 30 years to get here. Um, and so I'm excited to write my book. I'm excited to have more conversations um, and really focus on my Enoughness podcast. I'm, uh, I'm excited to put some other things together, but really focused on all, – all of it is focused on women in leadership. Okay. When women come to you for career advice, um, either through at SheWorks or, or now – what type of advice do you, or how do you hold up the mirror to them? Um, like if they were asking what they should do with their life? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the, you know, I, I consider myself a coach to a number of people. And I use the word coach because I grew up as a gymnast. And I think that anyone who wants to be a leader should have a coach for the areas in their life where they want to grow. And for example, I have a book coach and that book coach, um, she and I have a call every single week. I write my book in Google Docs and I need that call because I need someone to hold up a mirror to me and say, are you writing? <laughs> it's just like, it's accountability and says like, are you showing up um, in the best version of yourself when you're writing? And um, so for me, I think the coach's job is really to give a perspective that you can't see because you are in your own body, in your own mind. Um, but they do that by holding up a mirror and saying, you know, I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do um, because I can't get in your brain, but I'm here to like reflect back what I'm seeing to ask the right questions that will hopefully guide you to where you need to go. But again, no one can tell you exactly what to do with your life. And that's that's really up to you. And it's being able to ask the right questions. So I always ask people like, um, you know, why? Like, why are you doing what you're doing? Is this true to yourself? Um, how do you feel? 
So I think that question, um, how do you feel when you're you know, doing this job? How do you feel when you consider going into this industry? And sometimes you can just see that in their body language, right? They just, they somehow in their subconscious, they know if it's not right. Um, but it's a matter of letting that subconscious get to the uh, conscious level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of the why, I love that one um, solo podcast episode that you have. I think it was around like a reflection of 2018. Mm. Um, and uh, I'll link it into the show notes about um, asking why. I thought that the way that you articulated there was really special. Thanks. Because um, it also seems like you were saying that sometimes people s- are doing why because of what other people are saying and not necessarily what's true to them. I think the majority of people are doing that. Um, It's really scary to ask yourself why and what makes me happy and what makes me unhappy and what do I like. Um, But those are all the questions that I've asked myself. And when I was on vacation, I actually um, sat down and I wrote a list on my, it's on my phone, it's on my notes. I have thousands of notes on my phone. And um, the heading was simply, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And underneath that, it was a list of things that make me happy. And then another list that was things that don't make me happy. And I spent a whole day trying to figure figure out that list. Um, and I would put things in. I would see if it felt good. Um, and interestingly, it's, it's become quite easy um, to fill something out like that. Uh, in the past, it wouldn't. And I think when you have a, a list like that, a lot of times people are like, well, I think, you know, avocado toast makes me happy or cars make me happy. And I wrote things like great one-on-one conversations with interesting people make me happy. Um, and on the flip side, things that don't make me happy are shallow conversation and conformity <laughs> and incompetence. And like, the, you know, those, I was like, I openly admit it. I'm like, I don't like those things. Um, so how does that translate into something actionable? Well, that means uh, more and more I don't go to events or parties, um, like networking events or parties where it's uncurated, where I don't expect to necessarily to have a, a high possibility that I'll I'll have great conversation or deep conversation um, and meet inspiring people. So instead of feeling shame or guilt in saying no to those types of things, it's like, no, but this is this is what makes me happy. And so I'd be willing to do that one-on-one conversation, but like increasingly less so in like groups of people, unless, you know, it's a special occasion or such. Um, well, this is a really inspiring one-on-one conversation for me. I hope <laughs> you feel the same way. Um, and um, is there anything else, Lisa? Uh, there's a lot of things. <laughs> Uh, what would you like to know? Anything else related to confidence, motivation, um, people picking themselves, um, helping them find purpose, um, any other either projects that have been people or things that have been really helpful to you mm. that maybe haven't gotten voice to in the past? Um, I think that if you can wake up every day and actively choose yourself, um, which is a really hard thing to do, but proactively doing so and 
whatever that means to you, I think that that is something that everyone should have on their their list of priorities. And it took me a long time to realize this. I think perhaps because I've come from, you know, an immigrant family, um, we didn't we didn't grow up with much money. Um, to in that sort of mentality, you know, when you don't have the financial freedom to do whatever you want. Um, and you grow up like that, you know, clipping coupons and like trying to find all the discounts. And it does breed a scarcity mindset around your own worth, right? And I, I, I do think that for especially a lot of women, I don't, I don't see money as the end goal, but it is a means to living a free life, right? Where you're not beholden to certain things. And um, one, women in particular seem to have a lot of shame around money, which I think is also ingrained through society. Like we've only recently really been embraced in the workforce, but also for um, immigrant and poor families, like if you've grown up like that, you've you have this feeling like it could be taken away from you, like that you don't ever want to go back into what it felt like uh, before. And to one of the things that you don't learn is how to invest in yourself and to put a value on like, you know, things like the the clothes that you choose, um, the like the way that you groom yourself. And I think for women, there's also a higher standard, right? And it took me, you know, a long time to realize that self-care and like self-love and how that that is reflected in both the boundaries you put around yourself, like who you choose to surround yourself with. It um, reflects in how you spend your time, um, your morning and evening ritual, like the the clothes that you choose to wear. Um, it's all it all does reflect into you mentally. I, I always said like, oh, it doesn't really matter. Like, uh, like the clothes. It's I don't need any. I don't need any of this stuff. But um, as a woman, it does like when I feel good and I feel like I've dressed and prepared myself in a way that is the right investment of my own value. I feel better in the world. I can produce better work um, because I've. I've invested in myself uh, before I've even stepped out the door. That's where the power comes from. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's it's basically saying like I'm worth it, right? Hell yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I'd love to let listeners know where they can follow up. Before that, um, and I'm going to steal this from your podcast. Okay. But <laughs> is there one last micro action that's the whoever's listening to this can go? take to live more purpose, passion, and power in their life? Mm. I mean, we've talked about a lot of things regarding, for example, the self-gratitude journal, um, asking yourself why, recognizing being aware of your internal dialogue and learning over time how to switch that so you can say I'm a rock star in the mirror. Um, So I'll say something different, which is around um, the people you spend time with. And um, as someone who's been kind of a a hyper networker in my entrepreneurial phase and going to all these events and conferences and meeting so many people that 
you know, at the end of the day, I kind of, especially with my birthday coming up, every year I write a list. I'm like, okay, who would I invite to my birthday? <laughs> and I just, what I do is I, I create a note and I'm immediately just start listing the people that come top of my head. And those usually are also people that like I've texted recently. And there's usually just, I mean, under 10 people um, that automatically come to mind. And then there's like, after that, I'm like, well, maybe I should, you know, have more friends or something. <laughs> and then I reach out and I'm like, okay, tier t this like tier two of people where, well, you know, I'm, I, I saw this person recently, like, oh, I really like them. I'll put them in here. And and then at some point you're like, well, if I'm inviting this person, I may as well invite like everybody. I may as well just create a Facebook event and then like send it to all of my thousands of friends on Facebook. But really it was like, if I, if I trimmed, and I say kind of like trim the fat, right? And you, you focus on that core group. It's like, are these people that I could say anything? Like I could have a breakdown. I could be emotional and they wouldn't judge me and they wouldn't think differently of me. And in fact, they would support me and they would uh, help me get back to wherever it is I wanted to go. And I think taking the time to realize and to figure out who are the people you're spending the most time with? Um, are they the right people? Are they bringing the right energy into your life? Um, are they supportive and pushing you to find your passions and your purpose? Um, are they lost in their own <laughs> like lack of purpose or negativity about work or the relationships. Um, because I just think that at this point in my life, I have no time for people with negative energy. Um, I have no time for people who feel insecure and then use that insecurity to cut other people down. It's, it's just not a space I want to inhabit. It's not the type of energy I want in my space. And I think that um, you know, this goes back to investing in yourself, right? Like, if you're going to find your purpose, you need to be around the right people. Um, you need to be around people who will actively support you in championing you going after your passion. And if you have that group of people, um, doesn't necessarily have to do with the amount of time that you've known them, that um, that will make your journey much easier. Love it. All right. Thank you so much, Lisa. And then please let listeners to follow up uh, where they can find you. Sure. Uh, on social, on Twitter and Instagram, I am Lisa Wang wins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like, call it what it is. You know, I'm a winner. And uh, my website is lisawang.co. You can find the podcast there. And of course, the Enoughness podcast is also on iTunes. Great. Thank you so much, Lisa. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, friend. This episode with Timestamp Notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. I'm really excited for you to learn from this episode and would love to hear any thoughts from you and continue the conversation where I post this episode on many different social channels. Please subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast for my weekly Portfolio Career Podcast show and really excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.